Capturing the world. What's going on everybody, this is David Carmichael II and this is episode 45 of the Caption the World podcast. Um, I have another, another great special guest. Um, her name is Elizabeth Pampalone. Um, Elizabeth is an engaging speaker, successful entrepreneur, master networker, and a trusted business advisor with over 20 years of experience. Um, She also has a firm called Beyond the Cause Incorporated that helps business owners achieve success and freedom through the power of absolute marketing. Um, And I also want to give a shout out to all of our Spotify listeners and all of our Apple Podcast listeners. Um, Thank y'all for continuing to listen to the show. Um, Please leave a review if you haven't already. And um, just spread the word about the show. Um, Yeah, and I'm just welcoming Elizabeth Pampalone. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. Um, so yeah, so I just read, you know, a short description of what you do. Um, so let's just go into, you know, um, you know where you're from and what made you get into this field of study. What um, what made you, you know, be interested in doing something like this? Well, I am originally from Ohio, and I transplanted to Florida about 13 years ago. And when I was 14 years old, I went to a class at a library and they taught us how to code HTML. It was something I had never thought about before. I'd never really been exposed to computer programming. We had a computer at my house when I was a kid, but I didn't really think of it as like a a thing you could do, like that a regular person could do. I thought you had to have special skills and, you know, be an adult (laughs) to do all those things. And uh, I basically realized that it was like learning another language because coding is a language. And I, I decided that's what I wanted to do. It was just kind of like I fell in love with it right there. And and uh, and from the age of 14, since then, it's been almost 20 years and I've been building websites ever since. And, you know, use that in different careers I've had, in different areas of expertise that I've had, but mostly for myself and my clients to help them with their marketing. Awesome, awesome. So uh, what school did you go to? I'm actually a Bearcat, University of Cincinnati. Okay. And uh, UK girls are ugly. That's just what we have to say. It's part of it. <laughs> um, right. but, but yeah, that's where I'm from. And I grew up in Cincinnati and I, I loved it. And coming to Florida was was a bit of a change. I mean, the, the seasons are not only so different, but mm-hmm. also the, the culture is different. And it was really interesting at, at a 20 to come here and be like, okay, now I have to adapt. How do I adapt? How do I figure out this new way of doing things because the the um the general feeling is different i mean people are on like what i consider island time here it's more like florida time right so things aren't as pressing it doesn't seem and so getting used to that and also getting used to it in a business sense was also a little a little different but it's worked out pretty well so far that's cool that's cool um actually mom i had a guest on one of my last episodes not the last episode but the episode before that she was also from Ohio. Um, I can't remember exactly what part of of uh, Ohio she was in, but she was like a um a fashion designer and something like that. Um, but yeah, so um that's awesome. Um, so I actually got friends that they do coding as well. Well, they went to school for computer science and they you know build websites as well. Um, actually, it's like three of them that do, that do computer science. But yeah, I can I can. They always been telling me how not difficult but it's a lot you have to know to be able to code and build websites from scratch like you know it's different from using like an e-commerce website where you can just you know pull it and plug in what you want you know so i can imagine how hard that can be especially they say you got to have your certifications in order to um i guess keep up with what you're doing so yeah and i've, I've actually found it really interesting that you know even though i have a degree in web programming I actually don't use it that much anymore. I'm I'm more of a marketer now. And even though I can still code and I can still, you know, help clients with those things, I actually focus mostly on the marketing because really if you have a great website but your social media sucks, 
you're right. not going to really get that far. If you have great social media, but a horrible website, it's still the same. You're not going to really get far. So I try to focus on the holistic approach and that's why I created absolute marketing. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. Cause you can't have, you can't have one thing without the other when it comes to social media and your website. Um, and that pretty much leads into my next question. Um, you just mentioned absolute marketing. Um, what is absolute marketing and how is that different from, you know, I guess the standard way of marketing, how everybody else says you should market your brand. Well, a few years ago I was building websites as everybody did, and I was doing it the way everybody was doing it. You know, six weeks to four weeks for a website. It costs a couple grand, maybe three grand for me to do one. I took two clients at a time and I spent 30, 30 or so days on each website. And what was happening was clients were so stressed themselves uh -huh. and I was so stressed because they wouldn't get me anything, but because they didn't have time, they didn't have the, you know, time to just sit down and get me all the content that I requested. And I ended up getting emails from people on day 29 of our 30 day contract. And they would just flood me with information. Oh, here's my bio. Here's my headshot. Here's all these things. Right. And I would have to then start at that point and build out the site because I use the content as my guide. And they would just shove all this stuff at me at the end of the month. And I would be stressing, trying to contact them. Can I help you get this together? Can we, can we brainstorm it? Do you need help? No, no, I'm just too busy. I'm too busy. And then they would send everything to me and I would spend that evening into the next morning, working overnight into the next day and building an entire site, uh -huh. you know, because I didn't have anything to go off of. And now I have all this information. I have to just build something. And then I would be like, here, here's a, here's a link. Can you look at it? Okay. What does it look like? Okay. You don't like that. Okay. Let me go change it. And then I would go change it. And I would send them another link. And then it was just like right. this back and forth and it was very stressful for them, for me. And I said, you know what? I'm done one month. I just, <laughs> it was May and I, I had just booked two new clients and I said, I know they're both going to do the same thing to me again. Right. And I said, forget it. The next person that walks up to me, literally, I went on my website, I changed everything. I put only the one thing I was going to do. And that was called website in a day. And I literally knew I could build a website one day in eight hours and I, I did it so much, That's but it was crazy. stressful. Right. And so I, I cut my price in half. I said, you get one day, we sit down together, we build it together. And from there, I started realizing I could do more things in one day. And that became what is now absolute marketing. So absolute marketing is a system. It's five days to create an entire year's worth of social media. Mm. And it's something anybody can do on their own. It's not like a secret formula or anything. It essentially starts with a brand. So we create your brand, your logo, your colors, your messaging, and we write an ebook. That's day one. Uh -huh. Day two is we build a website from scratch. Day three is we create 12 months of social media posts and we create them, write them, design them and schedule them. So they're all done. There's no calendar involved. You're just done. And then we also do the same thing where we create, write and schedule and design um, 12 months of blog posts and also 12 months of email marketing campaigns. And that's days three, four and five. So within five days, we can set a business up from being having zero to everything for up to a one year's worth of marketing. Wow, that's that sounds that sounds great. Um, and so when you say you know you plan out um, all your social media posts and blog posts, like it's, like you know, so I have my my podcast is based on my clothing brand, and like for me, um. You know, I've always I've researched so many things on how to post and when to post and what to post. And, you know, I've came to the conclusion, like, I don't want to post anything unless it's, like, high quality. Because um, I used to just post anything, like, any, whatever quality it was, I just wanted to post it, you know what I'm saying? But then I kind of scaled back, and I was like, well, I want to put more um, quality more than quantity. So, for me, like, I don't want to post nothing unless it's, like, a high-quality photo. And I have... Fortunate enough, I have people that do, that do take pictures um, of models in my clothes, and then I, I post it once the photos are ready. So, like for you, how how would you how would you better figure out how to create all that content ahead of time? Like, do, how would you even be able to find all that content to produce so, later? Yeah, so there's there's always going to be content that you can post that's called evergreen. Okay. Meaning there's always stuff about your brand, about your business, about, um, you know, things that you believe in causes, whatever that is that you want to post about. There's always stuff there. That's evergreen. You can always like, like, for example, um, with me, with marketing, there's always things, the concepts are the same yesterday, today, and forever. They're always going to be the same. It's that baseline, it's that education that you try to bring to people. Maybe you're going to talk about, 
um, why we use 100% cotton shirts instead of jersey knit, or I don't know, like something like that. That's right. education, information of why your product is better, why you have higher quality. Um, but then also, you know, you're educating on that, and you might actually post that two or three times in a year because just posting at one time. I'm, I may come in six months from now and be your new customer or new person on Facebook and say, okay, well, there's a bunch of stuff in the feed, but I'm not going to go back and like read every single amazing post you've written. Right. I'm going to see whatever's coming up next. And so if you posted it six months ago, now we post it again in three months, you've got that in there two or three times. I'm going to see it at least one time, even though I might've come in later in the game. The other piece right. is you're talking about high quality posts and I totally agree with you. Your, your images, especially in the, the line of business that you're in, you do need to have quality, quality images. They need to be on point all the time because you're in fashion. That's what you have to do. At the same time, did you know that the half-life of a post and the half-life of a post, I'll explain that really quickly, is how long it lives in a feed. Uh -huh. So for example, when I post something onto Facebook, for example, um, I'm going to post it on my page and it's going to live in people's feeds because, you know, my stuff gets shoved into your feed if you're following me. Yeah. Um, it's going to live in the general population's feed that you are, you know, being shared to for about 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. That's it. And then it's gone. And then it's buried so far that unless I go to your page, I'm not going to see it. So posting once or twice a day on social media doesn't have to be the highest quality like you I know you're talking about photos should be high quality which I agree but the other content you put out doesn't have to be so you don't have to be laboring over it so much because it's going to just disappear so fast so right. what we try to do is find good content not great content and not bad content but that middle line where we can say this is something we can quickly and easily create and pull and it's something that's going to be beneficial going forward no matter what. So um, mm -hmm. like I said, talking about the quality of the clothes, maybe the manufacturers you use, maybe the type of ink you use in your screen printing, I don't know, whatever that is, you're gonna talk about that. Why do we use, um, you know, talk about clothing and toxicity, talk about like, I don't know, whatever those things are for you, you need to find those things and pull them so that now they're co collected into a group and now you can say, I'm gonna talk about this every single Friday, I'm gonna talk about the um, you know great designers who've had great quotes or something like that. So it's a good quality post, but it doesn't mean it has to be something you you like labor over and like worry about to the point of making it so so great because it's only going to last ninety minutes and then you spend a ton of time um, and it didn't really last very long in the feed. That makes a lot of sense. That does make a lot of sense because like for me, I just you know yeah I just focus on photos, but I didn't really think about you know those other things that I can talk about. Cause I do talk about um, the quality of my clothes and where it's made and how it's made on my website. Um, but yeah, I could take it a step further and um, create content to explain that on my social media too. Cause maybe everybody oh, yeah. haven't clicked on every link on my website to find out everything about what's going on. And link it back to your website. Right. So then you're getting that traffic back. That's very true. Um, do you, cause I've always heard about, the the algorithm on Instagram, like we everybody's always trying to figure out the algorithm and how it really works. And one of the things I've been I've been hearing a lot is, um, when you make a post, I know you you just mentioned the ninety minute thing. Um, they say they don't show your post to all of your followers. Um, is that somewhat true? It's very true, and so that makes it even even less of a of an option. Like, so if you spent an hour creating a post, uh -huh. writing the right words, finding the right graphic, like all that stuff, right? You spend an hour creating something on Instagram, it's only going to live about thirty minutes. Right. So it's not going to live very long, and you you spent all this time. But then if you go back and you say, okay, well now about the algorithm, and what about you know how do we go around that, or how do we you know work with it? What I do is called algorithm proof social media. Yeah. Not only can we do it in one day and do 12 months of it, but we can create it, it's algorithm proof. We're going around the algorithm. One of the things that um, a, a guy that I know is a marketer. He talked about this in a, in a speech that he gave a couple of years ago. He said, we should never look at social media as something that we need to conform to. We need to look at social media as a tool, the tool that it is. And how am I going to use that tool for my own purposes? 
without worrying about how Facebook or Instagram or whoever says I should use that tool. Right. So in, in algorithm proof social media, we talk about using it for our touches. We have to have awareness of who we are and what we're doing so that people will know about us, hear about us and share our information. And we don't necessarily need it to get clients because a lot of sales don't happen on Facebook. Yeah, you can sell stuff on Facebook and there's a whole argument to that. But really sales happen when I see things on Facebook, I see a podcast, I see a blog post, I see you on another channel. And then I go, hmm, I'm seeing this person all over the place. I need to check this out more or I'm intrigued. And then I go to find out more about you. I'm looking at you for you on Google. I'm looking for you on a website. I want to see what substantial information there is about you. So right. I'm not just going to go to your social media and go, well, sounds good to me. I'm going to pay him a thousand dollars. You're looking right. at it going, okay, he wants me to pay him a thousand dollars for this jacket. Sounds pretty good. I'm not sure. What about the quality? I need to know more about that. And if I'm looking at your social media, you might not have posted about quality this week. So I'm looking a couple of posts down. Hmm, that doesn't look, no, I don't see anything that I see there. Let me go to his website. And now I'm going to your website and now I'm finding out more about you. So really the sales are happening outside of social media. Social media is really the, the t touch tool that we need to spread the message and get the word out there. But really those things don't actually happen there. Yes, there's those impulse buys that kind of happen. But at the same time, if you've ever clicked on a Facebook ad and you've gone to buy something, where do you go? They send you to a website. They don't right. let you stay on Facebook and buy it. So um, I use try to get people to realize that algorithm is is not really our friend <laughs> and we're never going to be able to figure it out. Like it's going to be so changing all the time. And yeah, there's people that say they can figure it out, but I don't usually believe them. Right, um, right. And <laughs> it's not always something that you can actually play to. Sometimes you have to play against it and that can also be a problem. So that's why if we just ignore it completely and go around it, then we have a much better chance of using it for the way that our expectation is. So my expectation for social media is to use it as a touch point. Yes, you've seen me in multiple places. I've been on different groups. I've been posting here and there. I was on your podcast. You're going to post it on your social media. I'll post it on mine. So now if someone has seen me four or five different places and now they have the you know, inclination to check me out further and that's where I'm going to get actually that lead from. So That makes sense. That does make a lot of sense. Um, so how do you feel about um, like Facebook ads um, to reach more people? Because I... I've been, I've used Facebook ads before. Um, I don't think I've really gotten anything out of it. And I, maybe I'm doing it wrong, but how do you feel about that? I think you definitely have to work with a professional on that because it is like a full-time job. It's kind of like SEO. You can do your own SEO, but if someone actually does it for you and they know what they're doing, it's like so much better. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but again, those two things are so hit or miss. You could be, have, you know, very, very little in your, in your Facebook ads and get have huge success. And then you can have very, very little in your SEO and have a great ranked site. So what it really comes down to for that is that you, when you look at um, Facebook ads themselves, you need to also have that idea that it's a touch point. Mm -hmm. It's that you need to see my ads two, three, four, ten 10 times before you go, okay, now I'm ready to click on the website. And even once I get to the website and actually look at something, I may not even be ready to buy then. Right. So if you're looking to say, okay, I'm going to put $10 into my ads every day and I expect to get, let's say you do it for 10 days. I expect to make at least make my money back. That's not going to happen. You have to spend that money in order to get the awareness out there. And that money might not come back to you for three, four, five, six months later. Right. We just did an experiment with this with a company that I run and we have a very low trust product. The it's a, it's a trivia company. And we do online trivia events. It's $10 to play and mm -hmm. you could win up to, um, you know, a couple hundred dollars depending on how many people play. Right. So it's about, you know, the categories and what, what people like. We did a Harry Potter one, um, a couple days ago and that was really fun. There's a lot of people on it and we probably spent to get the, we got 15 people in that Harry Potter one and we had been running ads for a month and a half. And we had been spending $20 a day. We only made about like 200 bucks. Mm. <laughs> I guess we had about 20 people. We had right. 200 bucks. We spent a lot more than 200 bucks yeah. to get that 200 bucks. Now it doesn't mean that that's not helping us grow the business because it is, but we've had to outlay around, mm, I would say about three grand 
in ads to get the two months. And now we're two months down the road. We've, we've only been able to raise our, um, our games to um, not even breaking even yet. Mm. So we are still under the break even mark for our names. So we are, we are putting money in, we're investing in this idea, but we are also know that a huge investment of that, of that is actually all Facebook ads. (laughs) Right. And it's working, but it's taking time and it's taking money. So if you have investment, if you have five grand and you have five months, you can certainly get really great results with Facebook if you're using a professional to do it. But if you don't have five grand and you don't have five months, then you're going to not see the same return if you just do one ad here, one ad there, and you're not working with someone who really knows what they're doing. Um, And again, the, the product should be low trust. Maybe it's a freebie. Maybe it's a, you know, buy this shirt and get a keychain. I don't know, something like that, where it's like a, an incentive. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're probably going to lose money on those deals. But at the same time, it's building that awareness. It's getting the name out there. It's helping to bring that awareness to people that didn't know about you before that are now being shown your ad, whereas they would not have been showing your Facebook posts because they're not part of your group yet. Right. So it's, it's definitely for low trust and for Meaning low trust, not like high dollar products. You don't want to be selling something that's a thousand dollars on a Facebook ad. It usually doesn't work out well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can use something low, like okay, um, we're going to send you this free, um, you know, sticker or free wallet or something like that. And it's like, okay, this is what we're sending you for free. Click on here to get it. Okay, I'm going to click here and I'm going to get my free thing, or my ten dollars thing that's really worth like thirty dollars. And then once I get that, it's like, oh, would you like to add this $20 item? Would you like to add this $40 item? If you add this $40 item, we'll throw in free shipping. Then it's the upsell. Once you get me out of this, you know, the system of Facebook ads and that this is a freebie. Now that, so that's how you ramp up to higher pricing, but you can't just say, hey, here's my $1,000 item. It's amazing. You should buy it. Here's my Facebook ad. Um, People don't go for that. They need that trust factor to be there. So they have to kind of see more of you visit the website, see the quality, read reviews, all that kind of stuff before they really will actually pay you more money. But that's then now you've built that funnel and now you've built that trust that you've gone along and had multiple touches with them. And now they're actually able to trust you and buy from you. Yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense. Cause I've heard people say like, you know, um, spend five dollars a day. And if you don't see any results in the first five days, it's just kill the ad. And then some people say, well, you know, Facebook ads, if you don't have enough budget, you know, I wouldn't um, encourage you to do them. You know, you got to put the money in in order to make money. You got to let the ad run for a while. So everybody has different ways to look at it. But I do agree with your point on it takes time, you know, um, because you can't for me, you know, you can't expect the ad to reach all those people in five days. It takes a lot of time to build to get, you know, the ad out there and to reach more people. And it takes time for, for people to really re- react to it. So, um, that does make a lot of sense. Um, so my other question was, you know, we were talking about Instagram. Um, what do you feel is the best social media website? You know, I know you got, you know, Twitter been around for a while, Facebook, of course. Um, it seemed like Instagram is still one of the biggest, um, social media platforms, and now you have TikTok. Um, do you think TikTok is going to overtake Instagram as far as popularity and as far as businesses are able to market up there? Well, how do you feel about that? So, um, Instagram is for a very special few people. Uh-huh. It is for people who are trying to target mostly women and mostly under 40. So that's actually demographics. It's not something I'm just making up. Um, You can actually Google demographics of social media accounts and get these numbers for all the social media platforms, including TikTok. And with TikTok, it's very different than Instagram. And and there's a big reason why. Instagram was, I'll call it homegrown. It was made by people who wanted to start social media They did it. They were trying to rival Facebook and they ended up being purchased by Facebook. So ever since they were purchased by Facebook, we know them, like we know kind of the, I'll say we know the enemy we're fighting in a way (laughs) Uh because Facebook is sometimes good characterizes the enemy, even though we all use it and we love it. Um, And we use it for our own gain, which is I think interesting, but we know who that group is. We know Facebook, we know Zuckerberg, we know where their headquarters are. we, We understand all that. And I think that there's this 
trust that is given to social media companies kind of just without vetting them. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about TikTok is it's not really from here and it's not really a homegrown type of company. And so for me, you know, I saw Gary V jumping on it early and I saw a couple of other you know influencers jumping on it early. And even one of my colleagues was like, you have to be on there. And once I started doing some more research, it just made it a little bit hard for me to trust the, the, where it was coming from and how the data was being used. Um, and so I've actually not dived, I haven't dived into that at all. And I've actually encouraged my clients to do more research before they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been doing more research on it only because once you put that information out there, even with Facebook, they have that ownership, but at least with Facebook, we, we kind of have this transparency relationship with them. The U S does where, you know, they say things, they tell us what's happening. And while they may not be super honest up front, they're at least, at least comes out eventually. And we all find out kind of what's been happening or what's been going on eventually. So, you know, I feel like we have this transparency relationship with them. There's trust that's been built because they've been around for so long and we know who they are. But with TikTok, it's totally different. And for my clients, and yeah, you might think, well, it's just a video. It's just this, it's just that. Even with Google, even with the YouTube, we know who they are. We know who the founders are. We know who the people who run it are. We know, um, in some cases, who what they do politically, what their political you know aspirations or what their political um, leanings are. Right. So we know a lot about them. We've built that trust for the last 20 years with Google, or more than 20 years. But TikTok is so new. I feel like I can't trust them yet. I feel like I don't have that transparency relationship with them yet. And for me to to hand over a portion of my marketing to them kind of just sight unseen in a way um, is a little bit difficult for me because I would rather be knowing, knowing who, you know, kind of the enemy I'm, I'm with rather than um, you know, and what their evils are and what their goods are mm-hmm. rather than kind of having this unknown, Oh, it's just video. Don't worry about it kind of thing. And that's what I've, the answer I've been getting from a lot of people when I do some research on it. So, so anyway, that's just my opinion on it. Um, I've actually steered it a little bit clear of it until I know more about it because what, you know, this is my livelihood is marketing. And I want to make sure that whatever I suggest to my clients that I would also do myself for myself, even if it's not, you know, for my industry, but if it was for my industry, I would be doing it. So it's just one of those things I'm, I'm still a little bit skeptical of. And I do encourage people to whatever platform they're using, um, whether it's Twitch or even um, YouTube or whatever, to really look at how the data is going to be used and not just who owns it, because we all know that once you put it out there, someone else owns it, but just how it's going to be used and also what rights they have if for, for some reason they're, you know, a lot of people with Facebook, their accounts just get shut down and they don't really know what they did. And then it says, oh, well, you violate our terms of policy. Mm-hmm. And then you look at something else and go, oh, well, that looks pretty awful. I don't know why that's up here. Oh, well, they didn't violate our terms of policy. So it's all very subjective. And I feel like um, TikTok has been a little bit more subjective. Uh, and like I said, we don't really know a lot about them. So I'm just leaving that up to uh, to uh, some some more uh, time needs to go by and more transparency and trust needs to happen between me and TikTok before I can get on board. <laughs> yeah, that, that does make sense. Because um, I, I did make a TikTok channel for my for my brand. Um, but my my thing with TikTok is, you know, where do you know businesses fit in because i feel like the platform is more about like dance videos and just funny videos and it's like you know like where do where do businesses fit in so i'm like okay what are you even supposed to post so like first i was doing like whatever challenges whatever popular challenges were popular on tiktok i would do the challenge but i have my clothes on or have somebody else wear my clothes and do like a little challenge and then I do like behind the scenes videos of what I what I'm designing next or record me making a shirt. I don't know. Just trying to figure out ways to get content out there, but I already don't post on there a lot. I'm still trying to figure it out. Um but yeah, I guess it's and again, one- you have to look at the audience. I mean, is that your ideal audience? And even though you might have a younger audience, um, you might have people who are, you know, you might be targeting um, you know, teens and, and then above. Um, you also have to look at is it the right demographic? Is it the right, um, you know, and demographics, we're talking about everything from, you know, the psychographics part of it, which is that cultural or that lifestyle side of it. And also down to age, 
um, gender, and then also income. You know, income also plays a part right. in that. Are you know, the people that you're reaching on this platform or that platform, do they have the right income? And so for me, I do a lot with LinkedIn because I'm trying to reach business people, first of all. That's one of my main reasons for being on there. But the other reason is the people that are on there, most of them are making more than $75,000 a year. Right. And if I go to some of the other platforms, I'm not seeing that same level of income. So that's where I need to focus because that's where my people are that can actually afford what I do. Um, whereas some of the other platforms, maybe not. And so for you, like that, that fashion side, maybe Facebook doesn't, isn't going to actually give you as much of the, if you're maybe, let's say you're selling things a little higher end, mm -hmm. um, and a little more on that, um, fashion forward side, then Facebook may not be the right place because they may not one be the right demographic. I actually think it's Facebook is probably skewing a little old for you. Um, right. but then Instagram may be that place where you actually are going to find those people that are, have more money. They're a little more affluent and they're going to be able to say, I want to be, you know, I want to wear David Carmichael stuff. Like I need to do that because it's like popular and trendy. And I think that that's, what's going to make, you know, that's what makes me cool is I'm wearing David Carmichael stuff. Right, so, right, right. you know, like you have to kind of see what, where those, and that's a psychographic, that person going, I need to wear David Carmichael. I have to, then that's what you actually have to, to say, okay, I need to connect with those people who would see my brand as something that they would need rather than something that is more of a luxury. And that's where you have to choose your, your social media is based on the demographics rather than, and the psychographics rather than just saying, well, I should be on Facebook and I should be on Instagram because that's what somebody said I should be on, or that's what my competitors are on. Coca-Cola actually pulled all of their ads from Facebook and started of several other companies in the last few weeks. Um, and they have many, many reasons of why, but I think some of the reasons are that, you know, I don't need to, Coca-Cola has so many touches already. Mm -hmm. They they're on every billboard. They're on uh, buses. They're in every you know Coke you know machines. They call them a Coke machine. I call it a Coke machine vending machine. Yeah. Um, they have so many touches already that why would they pay Facebook to give them more touches when if you ask me if I want something to drink, I might say, do you have a Coke? I already I already have that in my mind. Mm -hmm. So they really don't have to pay for that. They already are out there enough. Um, and I know they have other reasons they said, you know, there was other reasons, but I'm looking at it from a marketing standpoint and you don't just have a marketing strategy and then pull it unless you are realizing that you don't need that marketing strategy anymore. Thanks. You know, there's no reason to just say, okay, we're done with this. You know, uh, we need to, we need to take a break. So, um, so yeah, I think that there's, there's things like that where if you know, that you're trying to reach a certain market and you've saturated that market already, you go somewhere else and try and saturate a different market. You're not in as much. Um, but for, for small businesses, we're just trying to get out there anyway. Like we're not saturating anything. We just need to post something. And so I think we try and post too much in too many places. And we're not really focusing on the fact that Facebook does skew older and so does Pinterest. Um, so, you know, we need to be aware of that so that we can actually choose the right platforms for our business and not spin our reels all the time. Yeah, that's that's very true. Cause I I'm on Pinterest too. Like I think I, I've been just trying to reach everywhere and just trying to see what works. Like I've I've been on Pinterest. I got LinkedIn, uh, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I think Instagram's been the, the the best. I've seen the best results. And actually, Twitter. Um, surprisingly that's enough, Twitter under, has been that's working. Young men under forty. Young men under forty. <laughs> Young men under 40 and young women under 40. Um, those are uh, Twitter and Pinterest respectively. And, and funny that one is blue and one is pink. I think they just, <laughs> I think it just happened, but. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's funny. Cause, um, cause like on Twitter, I just, you know, find people that's looking for, um, you know, clothes. Like I put like, um, streetwear brand. Um, cause I mean, I'm mainly streetwear, like urban wear and stuff like that. So I, I, I type in those keywords in, in Twitter and just see who's talking about those things. And then some people might say, um, what are some dope streetwear brands? What are some upcoming clothing brands? Blasey, blasey. I just put my comments, you know, say, check out my brand, check out my brands. And it's not really, to me, it's not really spamming because they're asking the question about something. Yeah. So I'd rather take that approach than just randomly going comments and just posting my link on my website every time, you know? 
And you can do the same thing with Facebook groups. I actually do this with Facebook groups a lot. So Facebook in general, I don't really put a lot of emphasis on. Um, I do still do my social media in a day and, you know, put posts out there on Facebook. Right. But I'm not focusing on it like I am with the groups. Um, and there's so many people that ask so many questions on Facebook groups. And if you get in the right ones um, for the demographics you're looking for, you can you can just answer questions all day and literally promote yourself all day, but by answering questions. Right. Yeah, that, that's that's very true. And um, it's been working out for me very well and I'm going to continue to do it. Um, it's just a time consuming thing, but, you know, you got to put time into it and it's free. So I'm not spending any money on exactly. ads. So it's like I'd rather spend the time <laughs> than the money, which, yeah. you know, it's exactly. not costing me anything. So, um, but yeah, that's that's awesome. So like, I know you just, you just speaking about Coca-Cola and, um, you know, the kind of like the branding behind it and the, the psychology of how people think. Um, why do you think um, branding is so important? Why do people always stress branding, branding? You know, you got to have, you know, your logo and just create your brand. Why is that so important? How do you create that that atmosphere for people that want to buy your product? So your brand is the first thing people see and the last thing they remember. So we want to have something solid enough that if you see it on a sleeve of a t-shirt, you can exactly tell what it is. Like, I know that's your logo. I can see it. So right. there's a, a clothing company called 1776. They're awesome. And they, they make t-shirts and hats and all kinds of stuff. And they have this very distinct uh, mark that they use on a lot of their shirts. And it's usually the full, you know, um, the full screen print of the, the, of the thing there. Right. And then they have a group that buys from them on a regular basis. And the, this group, they, they make videos on Facebook and, and YouTube, and they're called the Hodge Twins. They have their own logo, but they love 1776 style and what they wear their shirts a lot. Mm -hmm. So what they did was they said, hey, why don't you, we buy from you, um, 1776, and we're going to have you put our logo on the sleeve. Mm. And then you will wear your shirts in our videos. And they did that. They did this like collaboration and you can't necessarily buy those shirts just randomly, but they wear them in all of their videos. So any shirts that they're wearing in the videos, not only are promoting the one company with the 1776, you know, emblems, but they're also on the sleeve when they turn in the video or when they move, you can see their own logo on the sleeve of their shirts. Okay. And it just gives you this recognition that even though that they may not be, um, you know, promoting their logo, like in your face, uh, every single second, right. they are actually promoting their logo subtly through the use of the sleeve, you know, screen print and things like that. So I try and get people to realize that your logo isn't just this little mark. It's on a website somewhere. It is something that you use everywhere and it should be simple enough that you can use it everywhere. So these, most of these shirts they get, these guys buy, they're black and then they have the white printing on them. Mm -hmm. And they look really, really great on camera because the, the black is just like so deep and it makes it look really clean. Um, and then when they have the logo on the arm, it's in white on this really nice black t-shirt. And so you can really see it stand out, but it has to be simple enough because if it had lots of thin lines and it was very fine and had like maybe some squirrely text, it would you wouldn't be able to tell what it was from afar right. but when you're watching a video you can see their arm just flash across the screen like if they're talking and they're moving and then you're like oh that's their logo on their shirt and then you see it and you recognize it and then when you see it out again on uh, in a magazine or or on a on a facebook post or you see it on um you know another channel they sponsored something or whatever you recognize it immediately and so it's what we want that's really the, the what we want is people to recognize that immediately without even having to think about who is that or what is that. So for example, with me, um, I did a photo shoot a few years ago and I wore a green dress and it was a Kelly green dress. So very bright spring color, you know, green. Um, and I, I just wore it. It wasn't anything special. I just picked it for the photo shoot. I started using those photos everywhere and I started getting people coming up to me saying, are you the girl in the green dress? And I was like, Yes, I have a green dress. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh -huh. And they started saying to your photos, your photos, we've seen them on Facebook and we've seen them on LinkedIn. I was using it as my profile picture across all these different platforms. And I started realizing that I kind of had made myself its own brand. Even though I already had a logo and everything, I ended up changing it. 
I ended up changing it completely so that I could incorporate this color because people were associating me with it. And now every time that I speak, every time I'm on a podcast video or, or not sometimes, um, I will wear this color green or a shade of it so that when someone sees me, they're like, oh, that's Elizabeth. She's wearing green. Oh, that's the girl in the green dress. Oh, she has beyond the cause. And so I also, so like half my wardrobe is green. Um, but I also will get people come up to me and say, hey, um, guess what? I saw your green the other day. And it's not my green. I didn't copyright it. It's just green, it's right? Nice. It's just a green. All but right. they'll recognize it with me and they'll be out somewhere randomly at Target or something. And they'll say, I saw this mug. It had your green on it. It was so pretty. I almost bought it for you. People will do that and they will say things like that. And it's like, wow, I'm even in their thoughts and on their mind when they're like at Target shopping. Right, exactly. <laughs> and they're not even thinking about marketing because it's my green. Now they've associated that with me. So the psychology of that is so deep and so ingrained that you if you start with something so simple as wearing a green dress and then having it in every single photo that it will actually become something more than that and give people this sense of belonging that you belong with that and they and that thing belongs with you and there's no no separating them now for you for you know for them in their mind right um and and that's very very powerful and impactful that makes a lot of sense i know um you know all these famous logos you know mcdonald's and Nike and you know um, Coca Cola, you know, and it seems like people would say you have to have a great logo, and that that does, it is true. But I think is what how you present the logo because even I've read um I'm I'm reading a book about Nike with Phil Knight. I forgot what it, it's called. Shoe Dog. I'm reading that now, and I've heard a story on how he said he didn't even like the Nike logo at first. But now it's one of the most recognized logos in the world. But it's like, you know, I don't think people should overthink logos. Like if it's a nice, clean cut logo, you just have to market it for people to believe like that's the logo that's in their heads. You know what I'm saying? Like who would think that's a simple swoosh check would be recognized around the world? You know what I'm saying? And yeah, and simplicity is where people usually fall short. Right. They want to overcomplicate it. Like when I worked with some realtors, they were like, okay, I want a house. Okay, we can do a house. And then I want a, some palm trees and it needs to have a driveway. And maybe there's some windows and maybe, and it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> if right. we look at this from afar, it's going to look very blurry and very like a little blob. But if we look at something like the Nike swoosh from afar, we know exactly what it is. We know exactly what it represents. Um, same thing with the Apple logo. I right. mean, you can be sitting in a Panera and look at like look around the room and see all the Apple computers immediately. Yep. You don't even have to think about it. And it's because that that Apple is right there on the back of that computer staring at you. And it's just a very simple Apple with a bite out. That's it. That's Nothing it. else. And you know exactly what it is and you know exactly what it means. So when people overcomplicate um, or they try to be too clever, I think that's where we get in trouble. But I do agree with you that it needs to be something simple and clean cut so that when you do end up screen printing it, which most people end up doing and they don't realize it until mm -hmm. later, yeah. <laughs> is when they're making it, they have to think with that in mind. If I was going to embroider this on a hat, would it look good? And if you can say no to that because it's going to be too thin or too spiny or too, you know, too much of a script or, you know, whatever, if you can't embroider it on a hat, then it's not the right logo for you. Um, because it, eventually that may be where you go with it. And if that's not where you go with it, at least now we know that it's going to be clean and, and re easily recognizable without going overboard. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And yeah, people don't really think about that. They just want to, they think, Oh, if I have a sweet logo, people going to want to buy from me immediately. Like, no, nah, you still gonna have to create that perception. Like your mm -hmm. logo is what people want. So yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot that goes into that. Um, I got a, a few more questions for you before we go. Um, that's my next question is, you know, as far as the website, um, how do you, you know, very quickly, if you can describe, um, how do you um, build a good website? You know, I know you was talking about how social media and website go hand in hand. Yeah, websites are my favorite because obviously I've been doing that the longest. Um, I actually have a page on my website, uh, beyondthecause.co forward slash audits. Mm -hmm. And I review random people's websites. They send me their websites and I do a video review. And there are so many elements that need to go into a good website. 
And the best way to describe it is by looking at a site and then explaining what's wrong with it. (laughs) Because there are so many pieces that people often miss. For example, their logo is too small in the corner or it's not the right layout for a website. It's a square instead of a rectangle or whatnot. Yeah. Also, they don't use the same colors that are in their logo on their website. And so you can definitely tell the difference and why it doesn't look right to you. You're not quite sure why. And then I say, oh, well, the colors aren't the same. And you're like, oh, my gosh, they're not. (laughs) So things like that. And then also not having clear calls to action are very important. But if um, if anybody wants to see some really good Gordon Ramsay style, you know, like uh, edit or auditing (laughs) website. I've got a whole page of them on my website, um, beyondthecause.co forward slash audits. And they're all just there. You can view all of them. And I I get pretty harsh sometimes, but it's because I want to make them better. I want to make them have more sales. And your website should convert. That's what I believe. Yeah, because um, when you were just saying it, I was like, man, maybe I should send her my website. And I'm like, man, I don't want her to butcher my website. Cause I, I've seen I've seen uh, Gordon Ramsay on Hell's Kitchen, man. He'd be, he be going in on them people, man. But um. But he made them so much better. That was the whole idea. So I like that part. <laughs> yeah, I think I still send it though, because like when I was doing, I, I use Shopify for my website, and I'm pretty like a lot of people use Shopify. Um, but yeah, I've noticed a lot, and I did. I'm I'm part of this um clothing brand group. It's like this guy he has this clothing brand from Canada, and it's a lot of people that have brands that's in this Facebook group, and he was um he had um this thing where he does on um, website review or brand review. And he sent me my website. I sent him my website and he reviewed it for me. He gave me a lot of um, good points. And there's a lot of things that I noticed I was missing, like, you know, private policy and your shipping oh, policy, yeah. refund policy. Um, I mean, I had an About Us page and stuff like that, but it's just a lot of little things that we don't really recognize that we're missing. And I actually went to a couple of brand uh, clothing brand websites that's very popular and looked out, looked at, you know, how they had their website and the little links at the bottom of their page that they have and a lot of things that, you know, us as you know, clothing brand owners or just business owners don't think about. So I did do I did a, a full re, uh, rehaul on my website, but it's always room for improvement. So I'm always looking to um, find new ways to improve my site. Well, I have a list of tools that I use on every single site and that I use in my business every day. Uh, it's beyondthecause.co forward slash tools. There's actually a link to it in the menu. Um, and I, I share those tools with people because the privacy policy is something that's very, very important and a lot of people do miss it. Um, it's usually because you do need to have it done by a lawyer and it's kind of expensive. Right. Um, and not everybody has that in their budget. So we found a company that we work very closely with called Termageddon. We love them. Um, we have a special discount link on our website and they actually allow you, there are a bunch of lawyers and they create all the policies. And if the policy changes in your state or your country, they will actually update it for you with with just one charge per year. So it's pretty awesome. It's very affordable and it's a way to keep your site compliant and up to date without having to pay a lawyer four or $500 every single time that you need something updated because they are lawyers, they're doing it for you. Right. That's awesome. And definitely gotta look into that. Um, Yeah. So, my last question well actually my last two questions um just one thing of advice for any all the entrepreneurs out there does if you can just say like one simple thing to them what would you say keep going right and this is temporary so whether you're riding on a high or you're down in the dumps and it's very very low Mm-hmm. It it's temporary. So when it's when you're doing really well, and it's and just remember that this will end at some point. You need to be like mentally prepared for that. Um, but then also, if it's if it's really a bad month, a bad year, a bad week, whatever, um, this is going to end, and it's going to be good again. So just keep going. No doubt, and that's yeah, that's the thing that people can put in their regular lives. Like not even if you have a business, like anything that you're doing, just keep going and know that yeah, this won't last forever. Whatever you know, um, bad situation you're in right now is just a, a hurdle you got to get across. So I can definitely agree with that. Um, and my last question is, this is a question I pretty much ask every, all my, my guests. Um, how do you plan to capture the world? I hope that every entrepreneur that I come in contact with and even ones that I've never met will find absolute marketing and they will be able to implement it into their businesses And my hope is that it would help them to relieve the stress that they're under. 
we have so much um, stress that we put on ourselves to say, well, I should be doing this on social media. I should be blogging. I should be. And then we go to bed at night and the last things we're thinking about are, oh, I forgot to post that on social media. Oh, I forgot to do that picture thing today. Oh, there's like a million things on my to-do list. But what we need to be thinking about is how am I going to, like you say, capture the world? How am I going to make things better? How am I going to innovate in my industry instead of worrying about things that are going to be so fleeting and maybe who knows in 10 years, Facebook may not even exist. And we spent all this time worrying. Right. About it. Yep. So I just want entrepreneurs and small business owners to know that, that the social media and things like that are not the end of everything, but that we still need to market ourselves, but in a very smart way. So we still have brain power and creativity left over to do the actual things that can capture the world. And so that's what my hope is that, that I should, I would be able to capture enough of an audience that, um, that that message can get out there and that I can actually help people sleep better at night in the way <laughs> and also help them to have better businesses through um, absolute marketing. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and um, when you, when people come out, come to you as far as, um, you know, wanting you to help them with their business, um, do you just offer quotes or do you have like a set price for everything? We have a price. Uh, it's on our website. Everything is priced uh, listed on our website for okay. nonprofits. We do percentage pricing. Right. So we can actually help them wherever they are. If they're making a hundred dollars a year or a million dollars a year. We have a percentage based pricing and we'll be able to help them no matter what level they're at. Mm -hmm. And then with small businesses, we have a flat rate pricing. It's just the same for all of our services. It's just one flat rate. And then we also have a monthly rate. So um, it's very, very simple. I've tried to streamline everything. So it's not confusing and you can find all of that information and all the pricing on our website. Okay, cool. And, um, so where can everybody find you on social media and what is the website, um, national website? The website is beyondthecause.co. Okay. So it's B-E-Y-O-N-D-T-H-E-C-A-U-S-E.co. And not .com, just C-O. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, on social media, you can find us under Absolute Marketing and also Elizabeth Pampalone. I, I have a lot of um, following also just under my own name, but we also have our Absolute Marketing group as well. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's all I had. Um, Elizabeth, um, Elizabeth Pampalone. Um, I actually learned a lot just by talking to you on this podcast, and I'm pretty sure that our listeners will, will learn a lot too. Um, I thank you for um, being a part of this podcast, and it was nice talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And this is your host, David Carmichael II. And this is episode 45 of the Caption World Podcast. Um, thank y'all for listening. We'll see y'all on the next episode. Y'all have a good one. Peace.